All right, question, question, question. Have you ever had in like a, a really animalistic-like behavior just come over you? Like I'm thinking like your parent gets on to you and you just inside of you, you just want to talk back so bad. Or you, somebody at lunch just says something to you that's just so rude and you just, something inside of you, you just want to punch them in the face. Like has, have you guys ever had like an animalistic-like just type of rage or jealousy or something inside of you before? Anybody? Or is this me? Just Darren, whatever, whatever. So I got I got a story about my lovely dog, who is an animal. Like let's let's hear this. Don't let Summit um, trick you. He looks sweet and innocent. Uh, like he can do cool things. Like he can sit. You, you can you can shoot him and he'll fall down and play dead and stuff like that. But he is a vicious. He gets back up, yeah. But he is a vicious, vicious animal. So one day, like, that's him, like, chilling out the window. I kind of took out the background of that. He's just chilling out the window, enjoying things. So the other day, I was driving, and he's just chilling out the window, letting the wind blow in his hair and stuff. We come to a stop sign, and he's just minding his business, whatever. But a dog comes to a fence right next to the stop sign and starts barking at him. Summit loses his mind. He starts barking back. I have him on a leash, and I'm kind of holding him back a little bit. Well, he's inside the thing. And, and so I got my coffee. And so this is a huge mess all of a sudden. Like it just all of a sudden just hit me. So I got Summit. I'm trying to hold him back. Like Summit, calm down. I got coffee in my lap. It spills. I'm all mad because that's hurting real bad. Um, and so we start going. I let go of the leash. Next thing I know, Summit is jumping out of my car window while I'm driving to go attack this dog that's on the other side of the fence. Summit had... That animalistic-like rage just come out. And I try to get him out. I try to pull him back. And he's, like, just snarling and growling. I'm like, I've never seen like this. What is wrong with you? So, of course, I take him back home and uh, put him back in his crate like he should be. He didn't deserve to go any, on a ride anymore after that. Yes. Not these shoes, no. I was crying out of rage. In this series, we are talking about becoming like Jesus. We're talking about the goal of being a Christian. The goal of being a Christian, we said, is not just to get saved so that whenever you die that you can go to heaven. The goal of Christianity, the goal of being a Christian is to become more and more like Jesus each and every day. Like That's the goal. So that whenever we die, that we are as much like Jesus as possible. That's what this series is all about. And I bring that back up because the example of Jesus that Jesus leaves us to follow today, the example that Jesus leaves us, it's really hard to follow. Because if we want to be like Jesus, we have to do what Jesus did. So hear me out. What holiday did we just celebrate? Okay, what is Easter all about? It's about the resurrection, but what happened to Jesus in order for him to be resurrected? He died on the cross. So my question is, do you really want to become like Jesus? Like, I'm being serious for a second. Like, really? Like, Jesus died on the cross, and he says that we should do the same. Like, really, do you want to be like Jesus? Because he is the example that we should follow. Doing what Jesus did and following his example to that, that that's going to be hard. That's going to be tough. That's a, that's, a, that's a hard pill to swallow. 
So going back to our story, last week we talked about how Jesus and, and the disciples, they were going to this place called Caesarea Philippi, which is uh, a big cave, and it's known as the Gates of Hell. So that's the backdrop of this conversation. It's the same conversation they were having last week. And he's, it's whenever Peter declares that, Jesus, you are the Messiah. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But don't worry, 12, three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. That's what all happened last week. And so that's what this passage picks up. And that's where we're going to start off on this. So if you have your phone, you can take notes or you can use your Bible. But please do not use your phone for anything else besides that because we have leaders that will come and say something. But take notes. If you want to, you can take a quick selfie, post on Instagram. Instagram, tag us in it, uh, or take notes. Either way, that is how you can use your phone tonight. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, same part of the same story as last week. It says, calling to the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me in the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and holy angels." There's a lot in the story that we want to unpack. The very first thing, Jesus starts off. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, if you, if you want to follow me, it's your choice. Anyone can. I'm not holding anybody back, but if you want to follow me, he's saying the decision is yours. The choice to follow Jesus is yours. You can choose to follow Jesus or you can choose not to. He says the choice is yours. And we know all the good things that come with following Jesus. We know like it's eternity in heaven, that that he gives us joy, he gives us peace, he gives our life purpose and meaning. That's all the good things that happen when we follow him. But he's telling us that it's not always going to be easy. Following Jesus is not an easy road, and he's trying to warn us beforehand. He said it's going to be hard. If you want to follow me, be prepared to lose everything. Be prepared to lose your happiness. Be prepared to lose your comfort. Be prepared to even lose your life. Following Jesus, it's not an easy thing. And Jesus is warning us about that before him. And this is the first step. He says, if you want to follow me, the very first step to following me, deny yourself and take up your cross. If you want to say yes to me, you want to follow me, the very first step, deny yourself. Take up your cross. And if you can't get past the first step, there are no more steps for you to take. If you want to follow after me, he says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. As you can see, we got Dietrich Bonhoeffer on the screen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was a pastor in Germany whenever Hitler was taking over and he was putting all the Jews and, um, you know, the Holocaust, all that kind of stuff. He was a pastor during that time, and he wrote, he was a, he wrote a lot of books, but he also preached against Hitler, talking about how evil it was, talking about how that's not God's plan, all that kind of stuff. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That sums up the basics of Christianity. Coming, following Jesus, he says, when Jesus says, come follow me, Jesus is saying, hey, come and die. 
come and die. And sometimes that is a very literal thing. Like for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was killed. He was hung by Hitler for following Jesus, for preaching the gospel in its true context. So this verse, it, re- it reveals a great paradox in Christianity. How many of you guys know what a paradox is? It's something that's, it's a statement or proposition that seems like it's a contradiction or absurd, but in reality, it expresses a possible truth. And so in terms of the Bible, there are actually a lot of paradoxes in the Bible. Uh, and, but the, in the Bible, these are all kind of true things. So the paradoxes in the Bible the, um, that are true, in some examples, that we see unseen things. Like, that doesn't make sense, but that's true. We overcome by submitting. We find rest when we do Jesus' work. We rule by serving. We are great whenever we are small. We are exalted when we are humble. We are wise when we are being fools for Jesus. We are free whenever we are slave to Jesus. We are strong when we are weak. We win by losing, and we live by dying. All those are in the Bible. The Bible t- talks about all those things. But that's what I want to focus on the last one. We live by dying. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. And sometimes, like we said with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that means a literal death. For all 12 of the apostles, all, all 12 of Jesus' disciples, they were all killed because they followed Jesus. One of them wasn't killed, but they tried to kill him. They, they put him in boiling water or boiling oil. That didn't kill him. They put him on a deserted desert. That didn't kill him. But all the 12 disciples, they were persecuted almost to the point of death. And then we follow the, the, the cycle of, of church history. People were killed because they followed Jesus all the time, all the way up to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Even There's so many examples. That's not really real here in America. Like, we don't have to worry about coming to church and walking out and someone saying, you're a Jesus follower, like, we're going to kill you. But that could be the case in the future. Some, so Jesus, when he's talking about here, that is, he's, sometimes he's talking about a very literal death. But I think behind this, Jesus is also talking about a symbolic death. A death that every follower of Christ is going to pay. Because he's talking about death to our flesh. Our flesh, like, you know, like it's our skin and bones and stuff like that. But more than that, when the Bible talks about your flesh, it's talking about that, that animalistic nature that's inside of you. That, that part of you that just reacts. When something happens, you just react without thinking. Your flesh is that part of you that desires and it craves stuff that you know that you're not supposed to have. Like the flesh, like an example of the flesh is when you're on a diet and you see that donut and you really want that donut, that's the flesh speaking. Even though your mind is like, no, I can't do that. I got goals. The flesh is like, no, I really want that. It's that outburst of anger. Like that's the flesh. Like whenever, you're, whenever somebody says something bad about you at lunch, you just want to talk bad about them like, behind their back too. That's the flesh. Those are all examples of, of, of what the flesh is. Whenever you have that temptation to look at that girl or look at that guy, that's the flesh inside of you. Paul, we think of Paul as a great saint. We think of him as, as somebody who had it all together. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this guy named the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, in, in Romans chapter 7, he says, For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is within me, but there is no ability to do it. He's saying, that I, I know I need to do good, but there's something inside of me that keeps me from doing good. And he's talking about the reality of the flesh. 
Now, if we want to become like Jesus, Jesus says you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross. So to become like Jesus, it means to kill our flesh. If you boil down Christianity, if you boil down what it means to be a Christian, what it means to become like Jesus, it means self-denial. Christ-likeness is self-denial. And that's the opposite of what the world will tell you. Like, the world will tell you that you need to treat yourself. Or, like, if you watch Oprah, like, you just, you do you. Like, you do whatever you need to do. Make sure that you're happy. Make sure that no one's bothering you. That's what the world will tell you. But the Bible tells us over and over and over again that we need to deny our flesh. Deny our flesh and feed our soul. Because that's what it means to become and follow Jesus. And Jesus warned us that it would be hard. So the Apostle Paul, like we talked about, he says, I have this desire inside of me. I want to do good. But there's something inside of me that wants to do wrong as well. So whenever you think about like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, that's true. Like God is speaking to you to do good things and the devil is whispering lies on the other shoulder. But a lot of times that devil on the other shoulder is really just your own flesh wanting to do something that's bad. And so we have these two voices. And so Paul, he, he's like, how do, how do I win against this? Like, wh- what do I do to get over this? He says in Galatians, he says, I have, cruci- I have been crucified with Christ. So we know he's, he hasn't really been crucified because if he has been crucified, he can't be writing this letter. But he's talking about his soul, his spirit, his flesh. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He says, whenever I gave myself to Jesus, when I said yes to him, I died to my old self. And now the life I live is new. God, Jesus gave me a brand new life. Becoming like Jesus, it, it, it's death and life. We're talking about how, how becoming like Jesus, it's not always easy. Becoming like Jesus is death and life. It's a thousand small deaths that you do every single day that leads to a great eternal life. We're talking about eternal life. Saying yes to Jesus, it's a a thousand small deaths. You're saying no to yourself, saying no to the flesh, saying no to temptation. It's a thousand small deaths we take up every day that leads to one great everlasting life. That's how we become like Jesus. That's how we become like him. We die to ourselves. We deny the flesh and we take up his cross. And so Jesus, after he taught these things, he knew that people weren't going to accept it right away. Like he knew that that was going to be a hard thing to say. Because whenever Jesus was actually talking about the cross, like the cross, it wasn't a piece of jewelry that we were around today. It wasn't something cool. Like no one wanted to be around a cross. The cross was a form of execution. Everyone knew what a cross was. Like a cross in that day was like an electric chair is today or like a lethal ejection. Like nobody thought that stuff was cool. But Jesus says, you need to take that up. And so a lot of people, they're like, no, I don't understand what you are talking about. Like, I don't know if I want to follow you or not. So Jesus, he knew this. And so he taught another parable. We're just going to look at the first part of it. Luke chapter 14. And remember, he, he's speaking to a first century audience. Like they didn't have smartphones and stuff. So he says, for which of you Wanting to build a tower. How many of you guys in here want to build a tower? Right? Basically, he's saying, like, which of you wanting to become like Jesus? Which of you wanting to be a Christian? Which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? 
Otherwise, he, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Jesus is warning us that we need to count the cost. What is following and becoming like Jesus going to cost you? You need to answer that for yourself. Ask yourself that. What's it going to cost you? Because salvation is a free gift. Like there's, there's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. God gives that to you as a free gift. But becoming like Jesus, becoming a disciple, it's going to come at some personal cost. Like what, what friends are you willing to lose to actually follow Jesus? Are you willing to be made fun of or thought of as weird to follow Jesus? Are you willing to be the only one who doesn't go to that party so that you can become more like Jesus? Are you willing to crucify your flesh every day and say no to temptation? What are you willing to lose? Jesus is saying that we need to count the cost. What, what are we willing to give up so that we can become like Jesus? But he's saying don't just count the cost and what you'll lose to follow Jesus, but what, count the cost and what you'll lose if you don't follow Jesus. Like, Look at it on both ways. Like, don't, don't just look at what you're going to lose out on. But what are you going to lose out on if you don't follow Jesus? What if you, are you willing to give up on your true purpose and meaning in life? If you don't follow Jesus, are you willing to give up on the joy that he has for you, the abundant life that we talked about? Are you willing to give up on the peace and, and the satisfaction that, that Jesus has for you? Are you willing to give up on eternal life in heaven to not follow Jesus? We need to count the cost. What are you willing to lose? Jesus taught another parable. This one's a lot shorter. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven and what it means to follow after him. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and then reburied. Then in his joy he goes and he sells everything he has and he buys that field. I'll be honest, that's the whole parable right there. I'll be honest, when I first read that, I was really confused. I was like, what do you mean a treasure? What do you mean he, he, he found it and then buried it again? Back in those days, in the first century, there was no bank. So if you had a lot of money, the safest place for you to keep that money was you just buried it somewhere on your property. But the bad thing was, like, if you died and no one knew about it, like, that treasure was just lost. It was gone. No one knew about it. It was gone. And so imagine, like, this guy, he's just walking up. He sees a little sliver of gold in the ground. He begins to look at it and dig it up. And next thing you know, he finds a treasure, like a, like a Pirates of the Caribbean-type treasure right there. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And the only way for him to actually keep the treasure was for him to own the field that the treasure was found in. So what does he do? He goes and he sells everything that he has, and he buys that field. And when he buys that field, he inherits that treasure. Now tell me, did that guy lose out when he, when he went back and he sold his house? Did he lose out? When he went back and he sold his business? So much. That's not a real question. He did not lose out on anything. He, the treasure he found was worth more than anything that he could have sold. He gained something that was so much more valuable. So what would Jesus do? Because that, that's what it's all about. Like, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus actually do this? Would Jesus not actually do this? How do we become like Jesus? What, what would Jesus do, and how do we follow that example? Jesus carried his cross. Literally, Jesus carried his cross up to the mountain where he was going to be crucified. He denied himself. 
He could have been taken up, but he denied himself. And he died for you. He died for you. If you hear that, I'm, talking, I'm literally talking to you. And if you're sitting here thinking, like, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if I can actually, if I, when I count the cost, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I can do it. Like, I, don't, I don't think that God's talking to me. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to make mistakes. I don't think I, I, I can do this. If that's you, you're sitting here thinking about that. The Bible has a verse just for you. In 1 Peter, Peter, he, he's writing, and Peter, he was one of uh, Jesus' main guys. He said, for you were called to this. So if you're sitting here thinking, I, I can't do this, this isn't for me. He, the Bible says that you were called for this. You were called for this because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. Whenever he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Here's another paradox. The one who was innocent became sin for us. Jesus, who was life itself, the Bible says that Jesus is life. Jesus, who is life itself, died in our place so that we who are dead can be made alive through Christ. The sinless and innocent one died carrying your sins. By his wounds, by Jesus' wounds and brokenness, you can be healed in whole. That doesn't make sense. If the band will go ahead and come back, that's one of the greatest paradoxes. That he who had no sin became our sin. That he who was life died so that we can live. That he was wounded and healed. He was nailed to a cross. He was whipped and beaten so that we can be made whole, so that we can be healed spiritually. So now what? What do we do with this message? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a follower of me, if you want to follow after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Saying yes to Jesus is saying no to yourself. It's a thousand small deaths that lead to the greatest life that you could ever imagine. It's hard. But if you're already a Christian, like I'm not going to lie about this. Like do it, saying about this, like talking about this, this is hard. Like this is not a message that you preach if you want a thousand people to come here. This is a hard message. But if you're saying, Pastor Matt, this is too hard. I can't do this. I got something for you. If you are already a Christian, if you've already said yes to Jesus, you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit is working inside of you to actually make this possible. So I got another verse for you. I'm not going to read it all, uh, but it's Romans chapter eight. I want you to write this down, find it in your Bible, take a picture. I want you to memorize this. Romans chapter eight. See, Paul, he's talking to believers, those who are already Christian. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives inside of you. And then here's one of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, in the spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, 
then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit that lives inside of you. So we think, we just talked about Jesus rising from the dead. How did he do that? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power and the substance that, that came into Jesus' dead body and raised him back to life. And this is the cool thing. The Bible says that that same spirit who was there 2,000 years ago and raised Jesus from the dead, that's the same spirit that lives inside of you. When you say yes to Jesus, that Holy Spirit comes inside of you. That's the power of God. He says, so, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. And that's a spiritual death. That's the death to eternal death. That's the, that's the death to hell. If you live according to the, to the flesh, you are going to die. You're going to hell. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will have eternal life. You will have abundant life. We need to count the cost. By the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you will live. By the Holy Spirit, by saying yes to Jesus, you will have life. With every head bowed and every eye closed.